Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes, to all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Morning, everyone. How are we doing today? So this is a video, I don't know, that I've been reluctant didn't really want to, but probably should have created years ago. And I want to thank the subscriber who's asked, Michael, can you tell us your story about stock market investing and why you are not an investor in stocks? So again, I covered this a little bit, oh, where to go? A little bit in this book, One Rental at a Time, where I start the story at 30 years old. Uh, I start the story walking through a bookstore where I discover Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But as I indicate in the book, it really starts from being depressed. I had just suffered back to back to back significant losses in the stock market. And that's the story I'm gonna tell in this live stream. Um, This story starts stock market investing. I'm 29 years old. Uh, I have a couple of jobs, might actually be 28. It's right around late 28, early 29. I've got a little money saved up, which is probably talking five to $7,000. And the internet is hot. This is 1999. And, you know, we're talking tech, right? This is when Netscape's web browser comes out. This is when you know, Ask Jeeves, Excite, all these other portals. We're, we're giving people access to the internet. This is when Cisco Systems really hits the Bay Area and, and takes off and Intel is hot. And, you know, lots of companies like Pet.com and these, you know, Webvan and these other companies were just what we talked about in the Silicon Valley. So my story begins, let's call it 28. Uh, I've got $7,000. Uh, you know, I pick a stock because, of course, I have an MBA and I've read Warren Buffett's biography. And, you know, you go to the store and you understand PEs and you watch CNBC all day long and you see all these other people winning. So you got to get in the game. Well, I get in the game and I win, or at least I think I win, right? So my $7,000 quickly grows and doubles to 14 or 15 grand. Cool. Take my winnings, feel hot. It probably, it was probably less than 60 days. It might have even been less than 45 days. I doubled my money. Now, remember, I start this with seven grand to my name, and now I've got 14 or 15 grand. I'm like, wow. I'm starting to feel myself a little bit. I do it again. I find another stock that I like. It goes up, doesn't go as much, but my 15 grand turns into 25, 26 grand. Takes three, four months. Now I'm really starting to feel myself. Uh, Now I start day trading, right? I hear about day trading, right? In the beginning, I was buying stocks with the theory of holding forever, right? Which in reality, come on. I wasn't holding forever. I was holding for some artificial pop. And once it got there, I got there. Um, but now day trading, momentum, options, it becomes 
things that we only talk about. This is, this is what water cooler talk is. And I'm day trading a couple of stocks, Cisco, Cisco Systems being the one, and I'm winning. I have no idea why I'm winning, but I'm winning. My profit one year on my tax return from stock trading was over six figures. This is all ordinary income, right? Didn't hold it long enough for capital gains. I had a six-figure winning year stock trading, day trading, and I am feeling myself now, right? This goes on, I don't know, from that first stock trade I did to kind of the peak craziness is about 15, it might've been 18 months. And sure, I had a couple of losers, but they were nits. Imagine, I mean, again, I start this with seven grand and I just filed a tax return saying my profit from day trading is six figures. I, uh, I enter mistake number one, I got cocky. I thought, and I'm sure I told people, I'm the next Warren Buffett, right? This is 20 some odd years ago and I'm arrogantly telling people I'm Warren Buffett and I've got it figured out. And, and I didn't have anything figured out. I got lucky investing in a hot market and I rode that thing hard. And then it happened. Then you start losing money on your day trades. You're like, what's going on? What happened? Oh, it'll come back because stocks only go up. I remember saying that. Stocks only go up. Oh, don't worry. Cisco will split again. It'll, it'll come back. And then you go in a little bit more and you, you hold on to your losers because you think they're going to come back. And then you stop buying or selling puts and calls. And it's the market turns and the craziness evaporates. And very quickly, uh, where it took me 15, 18 months to build up a, a six, significant six-figure stock trading account, evaporated by 60%. All right, and this was in like 30 to 45 days. So here's mistake number two. Mistake number one is I got cocky. Mistake number two is I didn't understand risk and the momentum. Momentum to the upside, rode it hard. I didn't appreciate momentum could pick up on the downside as well. I didn't experience, I, I, had, I had a less than two year track record and the stocks only went that direction. Once it rolled over, I mistakenly thought it only goes this way, so it'll come back. Killed me. My six figure account was no longer six figures. By the time I got out of the day trading, stock trading, I probably had eighty to eighty-five thousand dollars. So still up from seven grand. Not bad, right? Uh, so then mistake number three happens. I felt like I always had to be invested. So what happened after that very painful lesson of losing six figures is I'm like, okay, my mistake. I am gonna go invest in companies and hold forever. So at the time, California, which is where I lived, was having rolling uh, brownouts, they called them. Energy was a problem, utilities was a problem, and the hot company was Enron. Texas-based company that traded 
essentially provided or proposed to provide a algorithm that traded utility usage and contracts and nonsense like that. They were hot. So I took the entire pile of cash and bought Enron stock and said, you know what? I'm going to hold this forever. Well, not two months later, Enron is very quickly seen as a scam. So I take my wounds, I get out before it truly craters, but now my, you know, 80 grand or 90 grand or whatever it was is 50 grand. And I'm feeling crushed, just like an idiot, but I'm continuing to make mistake number three where I had to stay invested. I don't know why I wasn't just happy sitting on cash. I felt like I had to be invested. Well, I remember I was out of the country. I was in Europe when I made this last final stupid decision. I'm like, what is the most boring thing out there? And at the time I thought it was phones. Yes, not cell phones, but home phones, telecommunications. I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy a phone company, but I'm going to buy the best phone company. And at the time, WorldCom was gobbling up the world. So I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to buy a boring company, I'm going to buy the highest growth company. So I go from owning Enron to earning buying WorldCom. And if you don't know, WorldCom, very quickly after that, like within the span of six weeks, is seen as a fraud as well. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So it was at that moment, I finally went to cash, what little bit I had left, and I had been sworn off stocks since then. Yes, that means I've missed incredible bull runs, but it also has kept me sane. I am not ever going to get into stocks unless they go on Uber sale. I did spend about 50 grand on stocks during the crash when you could buy Citigroup for a dollar or two and BlackRock for nine bucks and Ford for 90 cents or whatever it was. But other than that little window, I'll never go back into stocks. Momentum goes until it doesn't. And when it breaks, it goes down just as fast. Um, too many people get enamored with the upside and don't protect the downside. And perhaps most importantly, I do not have enough time to invest in learning the stock market or stock industries because you have stock market risk, industry risk, and, and total market risk. That's too much for me. I would much rather spend my time learning real estate. I know one market, one asset type, and I look every day. It's easy. You can find ways to ring out value in real estate. Plus, real estate has tax advantages. It's levered debt. It's fixed rate debt. Inflation protected. Real estate is where it is at for me. You can tell me all you want about your wins in Tesla and Apple and all of that. But until you go to cash, you don't have anything. I took seven grand and turned it into almost 200 grand. Gone, evaporated quickly. 
And then I go bet on solid companies, at least I perceived as solid, that turned to be all out frauds twice. I don't trust companies. I don't trust any company. I think, I think every company is cooking the books. It's just my bias and clearly I'm wrong, but I don't trust financial statements. They can be massaged and you can create kitchen sink quarters and you can do all these other things to delay revenue, pull revenue forward. No thanks. Not for me. I'm going to stay in real estate. It's fixed. I can see it, touch it. I can improve it. I can add on. It depreciates. I can get loans. Water, food, shelter. That's what's that for me. So again, uh, my story of stock market investing felt good for a long time until I got cocky, didn't understand momentum and downside, and I was not comfortable staying in cash. Those are my three fatal mistakes. And that's where I was at when I was walking through a bookstore, tail between the legs, totally depressed. And I found Rich Dad Poor Dad, which turned me on to rental properties, which turned me on to building a portfolio, which led to financial freedom. So I probably should have created this video a long time ago. I want to thank my subscribers for suggesting I document it. If you have any questions, ask, leave comments below. This is painful. I'm glad it's out there now. Take care and good luck. Bye.